Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord. Now please open your Bible with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. We're continuing on our series titled The God Space. And um, I want to really encourage you, if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to go back and listen and catch up. The topic that we're addressing is one of the most important topics of the New Testament. After someone gives their life to Christ, uh, um, they also need to give their mind to Christ. And whoever controls your mind controls your life. And we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. And um, what I want to do today, and remember that there, this, this series is very sequential in nature. Last week, we talked about how the God space is a place of war. Because the enemy of your soul and of my soul understands that if he can control the real estate of your mind, he literally can control the real estate of your life. Because as a man thinketh, so is he. We are our thoughts. And whatever we think consumes our heart, whatever consumes our heart becomes, is, is what we think. And it also dominates what we say, how we treat people, how we live. This is a gigantic topic. This is, this is so huge for the quality of our lives. And so I can't uh, um, emphasize enough how important this is. Now I've asked you to turn to Romans 12, but I'm going to put up a different verse for you that is literally an illustration in regards to what we will be talking about today. And this is a really intense verse, very powerful. I want you to pay close attention to it. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus gives an illustration of what we're going to be speaking about today. And he says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places. Everyone say arid places. That means dry. It means waterless. It says, uh, uh, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept, clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Okay, now let me, let me point out a couple of things. First of all, I want you to notice that this is Jesus speaking and that Jesus is giving us a very important illustration about the kingdom of, uh, about, the, about his kingdom and about the spiritual world, okay? This is a spiritual fact. Some people might want to belittle this text, but this is the truth. It's the truth to the spiritual uh, world. It's, it's the way the spiritual realm operates. And whether we like it or not, some people deny that we have a spirit, but we have a spirit, you see? And so what Jesus is saying is that when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places. Now, arid means waterless. Now, why did he put this in the Bible very quickly? Here's why. It's because life is the, one of the key essentials for life is what? Water. 
So what the enemy is looking for, he's looking for life because what the enemy does is he consumes life. If there's no water there, there's no point in being there. The enemy doesn't want to consume this or consume this because there's no water there. There's no life. What is the devil after? The devil is after our lives. He wants to consume your life and my life. The Satan is a consumer. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see? But I have come that, I might, that you might have life and life to the full. And so now here's what he's saying. So he goes through, and then when he doesn't find a place to rest and to devour again, he says, I'm going to go back. I'll return to the house that I left, okay? And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, what is this teaching us? What is this saying? Here's what it's saying. It's saying that Jesus will sweep your house, but if you don't fill it with something else, things will still get worse. You understand? Last week, we talked about the tearing down of strongholds. We invited Jesus come to come and to sweep the house, you see? But just because he sweeps the house, some people are addicted to the altar, but when they go home, they don't do the things that are required to fill the house. And so the title of the message today is The God Space Must Be Renovated. The God Space Must Be Renovated. And, and if you happen to be one of those people who says, Jesus doesn't work. I've come, I've cried at the altar. I've had meetings with God, but Jesus doesn't work. No, he does work, but you have to work like Jesus tells you to work. You have to live the way Jesus tells you to live. And so some people want a zap from heaven, and Jesus will provide the zap. He is power. He's able to deliver. He can destroy strongholds. He can, he can cast out evil thoughts and, and he can break the power of trauma and the past. But after that, there's a process of renovation that he wants to do. Now, as Americans, we love renovation. How many like, we like to redo the kitchen. We like to redo the bathroom. How many you know we love to renovate stuff, you know? When a country, last week's message was in the context of war. Okay, when a country goes through war, once the war has gone through, it needs to be renovated. So here's what, before we read this text and pray, okay, I want to say to you, your mind and my mind should not look like a war-torn country. See, a lot of people, you give your life to Christ, you're born again, you have a brand new spirit, but your mind even though Jesus came and swept things through, you might come to the altar and the, the Lord breaks something off of you. And you walk out and you feel light and blessed and all that. But here's the thing, okay? That doesn't mean that your mind doesn't have to be renovated. You see? And so look at Romans, just two verses that we're going to put up here. This is very, very uh, powerful. Romans says, therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In other words, the only, it only makes sense 
that after God died for you and saved you, that you give him your everything, including your body. Now, we know that the body and the mind are connected and the heart are connected. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, okay, but be transformed. Let's read this rest of this sentence together. Ready? By the renewing of your mind. This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about the renovation of your mind. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, uh, pleasing, and perfect will. Now I want to pray and I want to talk about the renovation of the mind. How do you renew your mind? How does the Lord rebuild your mind and make it look differently than it used to be? Before we do that, I want to point out to you that God physically has made our minds to be renewed. I want to put up an image for you here. Okay. So uh, uh, the brain has something, it, it has a characteristic which has been now called neuroplasticity. It means that the brain is malleable like plastic and can be changed moment by moment by how we direct our thinking. These are pictures or images of our brain. The one is a toxic memory. The other one is a healthy memory. And so what the scientists have now discovered, I want to read something to you in a moment. They used to think differently about this. But what they have now discovered is that when people have toxic memories and toxic thoughts, it's like their brain gets dark and it stops growing. Okay, the brain is meant to renew itself. It's based on, listen, we were made to learn. Have you noticed that you didn't stop learning at eight years old? You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yes, you can. I, we don't have time for this, but, but if I could just say this very quickly. Um, the Physical Therapy Medical Journal wrote in 2013 that when people have strokes, they encourage them to do aerobic exercises because when they do aerobic exercises, it has an impact on their brain and it increases the neuroplasticity of their brain. And as their brain is being renewed, then their body can return you know, to normal function just by doing exercise. Oh, we were made to, to renew our minds. It's not just spiritual. This is very physical. This is neurological. And so uh, there's no getting around this reality. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray and I want to ask God to put us on a mission to renew our minds. The main thought of all of this is that our ugly thoughts and memories can be replaced. And that's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this time. And God, I ask that by your mighty power, God, I pray that old thoughts, oh God, Lord, would be replaced with new thoughts, with holy thoughts. God, I pray, oh Lord, that we would get the mind of Christ that you promised to us, oh God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for last week where strongholds were torn down, oh God. But God, we want to fill our minds in this place. So God, I pray, Lord, for a powerful work of renovation to begin. Help us, Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We trust you to do it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. So... 
So how do you renovate the God space, which is your mind? Okay, the Bible is very clear about this, and I want you to listen closely and don't take this for granted. This is very, these are two verses, but we got to pay a lot of attention. The first thing that the, this passage teaches us is that if we're going to renew our minds, we must surrender to the power of mercy. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Mercy is powerful, and mercy is the reason that we can be renewed every day. Mercy is the reason why when we wake up in the morning, there's a fresh chance in God. His mercies are new every morning. How many are thankful that God doesn't just forgive you one time, but he forgives over and over and over? And listen, listen, when we are forgiven, then when he cleanses us and washes us, then his grace is ready. His power is ready to provide everything that we need moving forward for life and godliness. So regardless of what happened yesterday, we wake up today and say, God, wash me in the blood. God, I want to live a new life. And he gives us that new life. Hallelujah. It's all because of mercy. It's all because of the mercy of God. The mercy of God is, is really powerful. It's what frees us from punishment, from condemnation, from guilt and shame. And listen, when a person surrenders to what God has done, they also surrender their lives to what he wants to do. You see? Here's what I believe. I believe if you don't surrender because of mercy, you won't surrender because of anything else. What really motivates a person to change and to walk in God is that they understand who and what the Lord and the, Lord and the Savior has done for them. Did you hear that testimony, that little boy? See, he understood he understood that Christ is his Lord and his Savior. You see, every time we walk into this church, okay, every time we walk into this church, our worship should be amazing. You know why? Because we should be celebrating the mercy of God. We should be rejoicing in the power of the blood and in the, in the newness of life that we have every time we wake up, in the, in the future that he has planned for us. How many are thankful that he has a great plan for our lives? Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, but it's because of his mercy. It's not because you're good or because you're smart or because you did this or did that. How many know one is righteous? Not even one. Hallelujah, but praise God, the perfect one came and addressed our imperfection. So it all begins, we have to understand that mercy is the portal to renewal and transformation. We have to recognize that why, why should you change and why could you change? And why is it possible that your life, in light of your past, in light of your decisions, in light of the decisions of your father and your grandfather, why? How could it be possible that you could be that blessed and that strong? Here's why. Because Jesus died on the cross. You've been washed in the blood. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hallelujah. <laughs> blessed be the name of the Lord. I say this respectfully, but who cares what your father did? 
What about what the heavenly Father has done? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless. We have to surrender to the power of mercy. You see, now, when we surrender to the power of mercy, then we start to lock into everything that God wants to do. Because we recognize he, he already paid the price and he already cleaned it up. So the first thing that this tells us is surrender to the power of mercy. The second thing it tells us is then we have to resist and renew. Resist and renew your thought life. Do not conform, okay? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Resist. Okay, the world has its patterns. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, that's the resist. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the renew. Our thought life is, has, to be a, has to experience a two-part process. We have to resist and we have to reject our old thought patterns, thought patterns that were put there by, by the enemy of our soul and by the tragedies and difficulties and the maladies of this life, by our history and our hardship. A lot of ugly things can get in, but Jesus says, trust me. Trust me and, I, and reject that, reject it. Even if you feel uh, uh, A because of what happened, put your faith in me and watch my power transform you. Hallelujah. You see, there's a resisting and a renewing that has to take place. So when the Bible says uh, do not conform, it says don't become behaviorally or socially similar to the world. It's literally like a, a sewing pattern or, or it's a thought pattern, you see? In other words, Jesus wants to become the air traffic controller of your mind, you see? And how many know if the air traffic controller says you can't land here, how many know he's not landing here? Okay, and Jesus has to, wants to sit and be the king of our minds and say, no, that thought, that, that, that thought has no authority here, can't land here. That thought, that memory, no, 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 yes, hallelujah. The word of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what we need in our minds. See, I was, um, I had this, I, I had this uh, memory while I was, getting ready for this. So a number of years ago, this is probably about three or four years ago, um, I went to a White Sox game. One of the brothers in the church invited me. They were playing the Yankees. And um, I didn't grow up a Yankee fan. I grew up a Met fan, but my son was a Yankee fan, so I did watch them quite a bit. And uh, so anyway, I went with them to see the game. And uh, it was a good game. We had a lot of fun. But when we were leaving... It was one of those intense games. The, the Yankees were winning, and then at the last minute, the White Sox won. And we were all celebrating. The whole stadium was celebrating. And, uh, and we walked out, and we are like, what a good game, and all this kind of stuff. So then we're walking. You know when you walk out of those stadiums, there are those big ramps that everyone walks down together. How many know what I'm talking about, right? You really ought to take in a game. But that's another question. So, so we're all walking down together, and when we're walking down together, there were two little boys. One was 10, probably, another one was eight. Yankee hat, Yankee jersey. 
And, and while everyone was celebrating and talking, these two little boys were wailing. They were crying. They were screaming like bloody murder. And I, I felt bad for them, but I, I was like dying laughing. But they were wailing. And, and, and it was dad and grandpa and another a mom, they were like trying to comfort them. And they did, they would not have it. They were like, get away from me. They're, I don't want any comfort. They were just wailing this. This is the greatest tragedy ever. And, and I, I don't want to hear it. You know, and you know why? It's because their loyalty was so deep. They didn't care that they were in White Sox territory. They didn't care what anybody said. They were like, I will not conform to that. I am loyal to the Yankees, and I don't care about anything else. The Yankees is what I love. This is a tragedy. I'd rather suffer with the Yankees than be happy with the White Sox. And listen, listen, guys, that's the way we need to be with Christ. We will not conform. We will not conform. We will not give in to this world. I don't care. You're going to tell me I'm going to miss out on some party. So be it. I miss out. I want to be close to Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to be close to Jesus. Hallelujah. I won't celebrate with the world. Do not conform. Resist it. It's a big lie. It's a deception. It's meant to trap you. It's meant to destroy you is what it's meant to do. Hallelujah. But listen, in his presence, how many know, how many know, you could, you could skip out going to a club and you could take a walk. You could walk around the block and minister to Christ and Christ can minister to you. And the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The church gets suckered in to the deception of the enemy. The false, the substitutes, you know, it's just, it's not natural. It's not organic. It's chemicals, you know, it's just junk. And so you have to resist. You have to resist and say, no, you know, I used to do that. I used to respond that way. And I'll say this one thing and then I got to keep marching here. But you see, all of us. All of us, when we come under stress and pressure, we have flesh triggers. And you know what your flesh says to you when you live outside in? Your flesh says to you, man, you're really going through it. You poor, unfortunate soul. Go ahead and give in. Go ahead and give in. You know? That's how people do the things that they do. You know? That's when people say, Oh, I need a drink. I need a drink. What are they saying? Their flesh is saying, go ahead and give in. Right? Hallelujah. How many know Jesus? Jesus is the river of life. That's the best drink you could ever have. You see? Go ahead. You know, do that. Call her. Go ahead and call him. They don't understand you at home. You see, this is the way the enemy works. You know, it's just a conversation on the phone or it's just a walk together in the park. You're not doing anything wrong. Go ahead. You realize, guys, 
You realize what, what, what's going on? We have to resist the demonic thoughts. That's the way the world solves their problems. That the, that's the way the world calms their heart and their nerves and their soul. We don't need a drink to calm our nerves. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We have to, the presence of the Most High God to calm our nerves. You see, but that's the way he plays us. That's the way he plays us. And so we have to recognize this. Now, I want to I go back to the image that we've been putting up because I want to talk to you about the five areas of renewal. Now, we've, we've been putting this up every message. We are body, soul, spirit, okay? But we know that, that the Christian lives spirit, soul, body. The unbeliever lives body, soul, spirit, The Christian is led by the the king of glory sitting upon the throne of their heart, and he's the one in charge, and he's the one who guides. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's by that kind of indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the truth and power of God that we are called to live. It's inside out, not outside in. You see? So now, this talks about, when you look at the area of your mind, this talks about Five key areas that actually need to be renewed, okay? These are five key areas that when it comes to rebuilding your thought life, we need to do it in the area of imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affections. And so I want to go over this very, very quickly with you. This is very, very important for us to understand that God wants us to renew our minds And could you put up the next slide, the next image? Okay, what does renewal mean? It means the act of reestablishing something in a like, new, and often improved manner. So these are the five areas that we need to renew our minds. In other words, in our minds, we have these unholy uh, uh, thought patterns, toxic thinking, toxic memories, and, and then God wants us to put new thinking, new memories. New truth. You understand? So I want to go over this just very, very clearly. Why don't we begin with imagination? Okay? Imagination is how we think about different things, things that we kind of dream up in our lives. And I want to run quickly to a a, a quote by by the, the, the great artist Goya, the Spanish artist Goya. Look at what Goya said. He said, Imagine, imagination abandoned by reason produces impossible monsters. United with her, she is the mother of the arts and the sources of her wonders. Now leave this up, okay? Your imagination can either be like a monster in your life or your imagination can actually be like God. God is the creator. Creativity comes from God. You understand? Now some people, they have a terrible imagination. In fact, we were just talking. One of our brothers who was in my office this morning, his father was in a car accident when he was 11 years old. He was abruptly snuffed out. He, he lost his dad, and he remembers the day very, he was just telling us about this, so powerful. He remembers the day the cops came. His mother was wailing. He didn't understand. All of a sudden, his father was taken from his life. So after that, 
every day. Anytime someone was two minutes late, he would stand at the window and he would look. Why? Because he said his imagination was running amok and he kept thinking, where's my mother? Where's my brother? Where's this one? Where's that one? Anytime there, he had all of these triggers and they literally thought he was going to get sick. They thought he was going to get an ulcer because his imagination was running amok. Do you realize that many, many Christians come to church and they live in the negative what if of life. They live in what might happen. They live in what might not happen. And they worry, 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 worry. And it's your imagination. You imagine the worst all the time. Your first reaction is, a, is an unholy outcome. But the Bible says in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But see, he was telling me how, how things started to change because he said, I said, well, how did you get over it? He says, by faith. I started to put the word of God. I stopped worrying. Listen to me. Stop worrying. It's not the will of God. That is the work of the enemy. Stop it. Get some verses into your mind. Get some verses into your heart. When the devil brings all of that unholy nonsense into your mind, stand against the devil. Resist him and say, I know in whom I have believed. Hallelujah. We're talking about the, the renovation process is messy. You see? So if you're gonna if you're gonna renovate your mind, you're gonna have to do some, you're gonna have to do some stuff. You gotta resist that nonsense. I'm not having it. I'm not gonna think that way. Can I tell you? Last thing and then we'll move on. I gotta go fast here, but on Halloween, on, on Halloween, uh, it was the afternoon. My two grandsons were at the house with Chrissy and I. I think Susie was there too. Uh, my daughter, and so some kids knocked on the door. We opened the door. We had our candy, and uh, my wife went, and so two kids came to the door, and one kid had a very, he had a, a an, it was an ugly costume. <laughs> you know, it was like a skull or some kind of deal, and the, it was interesting because Chrissy is here at the door, Right? And the kids are right there, and Chrissy's giving them candy. Wesley was here, like this, right? And then I was here, okay? So I'm watching this whole operation. And, um, and Wesley was standing there, and he was looking at the kids, you know? And I was standing behind him. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that image. That image will not lodge in my grandson's mind. It will not lodge. I rebuke it. He's going to sleep well tonight. He won't be afraid. And he's going to know there's ugly things in this world, but my God is greater. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There are ugly things in this world, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And I want to challenge you guys. Do not allow your imagination to be controlled by the devil. That runs in all sorts of directions. We could talk about pornography. What is pornography? It's the soiling of your imagination. That's what it is. Secondly, then there's your affections. Okay, put up that, put that up real quickly. I gotta run through this. Then let's say there's the affections, okay? 
Affections are your, your, your desires, your love, your appetites, okay? We all, have, we all have appetites and desires. How many know God can sanctify? He can even make our appetites holy. He can change our appetites, you know? My wife was ministering at a different, in a different place. She spoke to these ladies, and, and God, one of the ladies that she prayed for at the altar, she's kind of kept in touch with. The lady's been sending her emails, and the last email said, I'm not smoking anymore, and what I'm finding is that God is changing my inclinations. How many know the Holy Spirit can change our affections? Hallelujah. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm gonna, I got a, a verse for you. We, we don't have time to put all of these up in, in space, but look. In Hebrews 1.9 it says, it says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God your God has set, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. How many know we can say, God, I used to love this sin, but God helped me to hate that sin. And how many know as we hate that sin, he's going to anoint us with the oil of joy and gladness so that even though we don't have the satisfaction of that sin, we have a greater, better satisfaction, the satisfaction of the presence of God. You see? This is so, so powerful. Let me tell you one more on this, and then we're going to race through the last three. But listen, I, I was thinking, I was reading this the other day. When Jesus was tempted, devil came to him, and Jesus hadn't eaten 40 days. devil came and said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, man shall not live by what? Bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, he said, listen, listen, I will not be satisfied and I don't have to be satisfied. Listen, I don't have to be satisfied the way the world is satisfied. Okay, that's the new thought pattern. No, no, I don't have to be satisfied the way the world is satisfied. There are things that are better. There's a better bread. There's the bread of heaven that can fill my soul. And if you don't have that, that morsel that the enemy puts in front of you, give into that thing. Eat that thing. Taste that thing. Go ahead. Touch that girl. Touch that guy. Do whatever. Give into it. You don't have to. And God can still satisfy your soul. You see? So the renewed mind says, no, that's not the way satisfaction comes. Satisfaction comes from a different place. And I won't, I won't allow it. How about memory? Memory is a huge deal. And let me just say this. Memory works in two ways. Okay, first of all, uh, a, a holy memory has an ability to put things under the blood. When your mind is really holy, when you think about past sin and, and, and past trauma, when you think about those things, you're able to put it under the blood. Are your memories under the blood? You see? Some people think, but if I, if I forget that ugly, dirty thing that I did, well, I'm making light of Jesus' sacrifice. No, you're glorifying the sacrifice. You're exalting the power of God because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. 
The devil says, oh, you can't be forgiven just like that. Yes, you can. That's what the word of God says. That's the way God works. He's just rich in mercy. How many are thankful that he's rich in mercy? Hallelujah. Stop living condemned. Stop. Stop living condemned. It's not God's will for you to be condemned. But here's part two. Okay. An unholy memory can't put things under the blood. Okay. And then another facet of having an unholy memory, unholy thought patterns, is that you don't celebrate what God did do for you. See, there's no way to fight this fight without remembering what God did in the past. It's the way the spiritual kingdom operates. The way the spiritual kingdom operates, if you look, is they would always recount the history of what God did. And then they would go forward. So when people don't praise God and they don't worship God, and this is why one of the things, I get concerned. I get concerned when, when, when I feel like, man, is it that hard to lift your hands and to sing out, to shout out to the King of glory, to the one who paid the price for your sin, to the one who provides every day, to the one who's the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Is it really that difficult? Can five million people turn out to shout for the Cubs? And in the body of Christ, we have a hard time. We're like the frozen chosen. We like worship God like this. Don't you realize? Listen to me. Okay, a holy memory remembers what he did. A holy memory says, says, hallelujah, you did this back then. And God, you will do this in the future. You will be good. You will be faithful. Hallelujah. All throughout scripture, the great men and women of God always called upon what God did. And they thanked him. And they celebrated him, and then they faced the issue. Here's what you said, Lord. Here's what you did. Go look at how Daniel prayed. Go look at how Hezekiah prayed. Go look at all the great men of God. They always, look at how Moses prayed. Look at how Joshua prayed. God, you were faithful in the past, and I praise you for it. That's why you enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And God, you'll be faithful. In the present. How many know when you're praising God, it's kind of hard to worry? You ever found that? How many know when you're praising God, it's hard to be afraid? Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Here's the last thing. Oh, let me just read this verse very quickly. Uh, uh, Psalm 149, verse... verse, might be 15, yes. It says, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Blessed are those who have learned to praise you. Praise is something that you learn to do. I'll never forget when I first got saved and I walked into, a, to, I was in a meeting at BT and a lady told a story. This is one of those learning moments for me. And a lady was on the highway and she pulled over and her car got on fire. 
and she stepped away. She managed to get out of the car, and somebody pulled up and stood with her. And as they stood with her, she literally saw the car going up into flames, and she lifted her hands, and she started to rejoice and praise God right on the highway. Imagine on 94, with your hands, raise your car on fire, and you're saying, I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, give him thanks. How many know that lady got a car real quick from her heavenly father? <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, memory is powerful. Then here's the last thing, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. Hebrews, well, conscience. Conscience is very important. You could have a seared conscience where sinful things, the human, the human condition, the spirit is such, the mind, the soul is such, that if you keep sinning in the same way, literally your conscience starts to get seared. It's like you don't feel it anymore. And I don't even have to go into this because we all have been there. Every single one of us, starting with me, okay? So we all get this. All of a sudden, even though you know it's wrong, you don't feel like it's wrong. Now, now some people, their consciences get cold. You know, they're just dead almost. And the other has, some people have a hypersensitive conscience and the devil is always condemning them because they see everything is wrong. But really, that's more a vision of their understanding of God. And any little thing that they do, they have this, oh, God is going to get me. And so our conscience has to be sanctified. Hebrews says this, let us, how do you get your conscience right? It's by drawing near to God. Listen to this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, okay, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I was baptized, Lord. I gave my life to you. And yes, Lord, I failed you yesterday. I said this or I said that. But God, I thank you that your blood washes me clean. And so I draw near. I draw near. I draw near. Actually, there's one more. Then there's reason. I want to read this to you very quickly. Reason, okay, Reason are, if I could say it this way, reason is the logic structures. How you think, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. Reason is your logic structures. Look at what Paul said. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So what does that mean as we go to close this message? Okay, it means that Jesus... All right, this is God's will for every person in my hearing. You see, Jesus died to ensure that the enemy doesn't own any real estate in your mind. That's why he died. That's why he rose from the dead in power. Okay, the devil has is no power over Christ. And if Christ is, is in your spirit, he should also be in control of your mind. You see, however, however, as believers, we surrender to God and we invite God to take charge of the renovation process of our thought life. 
you see? And so it means that you say, no, God, I want you to teach me how to think. And, and, and how you used to think, okay, how you grew up thinking in your childhood is childish. We have to put away childish things. And we have to think like men and women of God. That's what God wants to do. You see, when you renew your mind, you know what happens? God claims his space. That's what happens. He claims his space. And all of a sudden, he puts up barriers so that junk can't get in. God wants you to walk around with a strong mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. God doesn't want you to walk around like this. He wants you to walk around like this. Hallelujah. I love you. I love you. I've been hurt, but I can love you. You understand? He doesn't want you to walk around like this, afraid and angry. How many Christians need to be like this? You see? He doesn't want you worrying or fearful. He wants you strong, joyful. The next couple of weeks, we're going to really focus on four areas of renovation. And I want you to be sure to come back and try not to miss because these are important truths that we're going to be covering. But guys, you have to understand that there is a process that you can participate in. Okay, how do you do it? How do you do this? How do, the basic simply stated, here's, here's a couple of quick steps that we're gonna go through. Okay, how do you do it? Number one, face it. How are you thinking now? Face it. Number two, study it. Discover what the Bible says and what are the replacement truths. This is the part that we play in renovation. Okay, find out a Bible verse that cancels out the lie of the enemy. Find it, memorize it, use it. Use it like a weapon. Use the sword of the spirit. Ephesians chapter five, when the enemy comes at you, strike at him with the word just like Jesus did. He said, it is written. You see, pray it over and over and over again until it gets deep down in your spirit and changes the way you think and live. Practice it. Say, God, what's the new thing you want me to be doing? I used to walk around like this, okay? Maybe some people got to go out and hug three people every day. It might get kind of crazy or strange, but you know what I mean. You know, God will show you what to do. Now here's the last thing it says, and we're gonna pray. The last thing that this says, this text says, okay, is the powerful then, okay? When you become a Christian and God renews your mind, there's an amazing then that happens. Everyone say then. Then you start to passionately seek God's will. It says then. When your mind gets renewed, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Everyone read this with me, ready? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, I surrender to the power of your mercy. I don't know why in the world you chose me, but I'm thankful that you are. And God, when you chose me, you purchased me with your blood, oh God. And every day that I wake up, oh God, there's enough blood to wash all of my weaknesses and all of my failings, oh God. And I just thank you for it, oh God. 
I thank you, God. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. My thoughts, I look in the mirror. The devil says all of these negative things, but I put my faith in the power of your blood every single day, oh God. I put my faith in what you did, oh God, even above what I do, oh God. That's what I do, God. I put my faith in the power of your blood. And now I invite you, God. I invite you to renew my mind, oh God. I invite you to renew my mind. I want you to put your hand right on your head today. Come on. I know this, this is a little crazy, but put your hand on your mind. And we're going to pray right now. God, I pray for transformation. I pray, God, we pray that every unholy, toxic thought, oh God, we come against toxic memories, oh God. God, we pray. We come against fear. We come against an unholy imagination, oh God. Oh God, unholy affections and God, an unhealthy conscience. God, renew our minds, we pray, oh Lord. And God, as we place our hand on our minds, God, we ask for grace to go home, oh Lord, and to begin the process of finding, oh Lord, the new truth that you want to put inside of us. God, help us to study the Word of God like never before, oh God. Help us to pray the Word of God like never before. Help us to step out, oh God, like never before, God. We pray that our lives would be transformed, oh God. Because you're going to give us new minds. Step by step. Day by day. God, we can't do it all in one day. But Lord, help us to do every day what, we, what you want us to do and what we can do. And we thank you. Lord, I pray that people would be released. God, to passionately pursue your good and pleasing and perfect will for their lives oh God God I declare it your will is good your will is perfect your will is pleasing for every life for every family for every future every young man every young woman oh God every senior every child God your will is good pleasing and perfect oh God and Lord we will not settle for anything else because our loyalty is to you Lord Jesus and everything you want to do in our lives and we thank you and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said amen come on let's put our hands together and bless him hallelujah